You're listening to Can I Help You with the Love Master himself, Craig Shoemaker. It's Can I Help You. That's old school. Hey, it's Can I Help You with Dr. Craig Shoemaker. That's my that's my uh, voice that I do uh, when I was a kid. I actually wanted to be a radio DJ, so I would do the DJ voice. And I one of those commercials, I go... I used to talk like this, and nobody talked to me back, and I couldn't get a date on the calendar. Uh, no, I talk like this because I went to the American Academy of Broadcasting. <laughs> that laugh you hear is Ed Kaminsky, my old buddy. Uh, he's, again, not qualified to be on a show that has celebrities. <laughs> Wait. Thanks. Thanks for noticing. Well, I have to tell them that because I started off uh, doing podcasting years ago where I had all the big celebrities, and then I decided why not have people that are – you know that people Less can relate that. to. Yeah, you know who can relate to I had Samuel L. Jackson on. Who can relate to this guy right. that's really listening? Go, uh, and you know you're going to hear the same stories and how they made it. We want to hear how you made it because you might be in a business that they're that they're in. Sure. Yeah. So it's called Can I Help You? And we, at some point, Ed, we might get to some area where I could help you. Or Perfect. or you might help me. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> it's about helping others and helping you maybe. And that's how we do the podcast. We're here in my office. I'm glad you made it to the my nice place. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, a lot yeah. of history here. How about the yeah? Tell them about the room that you just saw. Well, <laughs> that I, we have here. I guess the the uh, surround sound was invented here yes. by Steven Spielberg, and now you own this office. Yes, and we have that uh, screening room. It's uh, we do uh, films here, and we can do scoring, and we you know obviously screenings there, and it's really cool. And late at night, I take my buddies. We have little bromance nights and watch movies. So nice. That, that's, yeah. that's mostly what it's used for, the hell with business. But, yeah, it's where DTS was created and stuff like that. So you're here at the studio, right, studios. I appreciate you coming up here. You're mostly in the real estate business. That's actually how I know you. Yes. I was approached, just to give people a little background, I was approached by Ed, see if the story is, it matches with yours. You've been studying, or not studying, but you've been mentored, would you say? Yeah, mentored by Mike Ferry, Yes, a real estate trainer. I call him the Anthony Robbins of real estate. Would that be an accurate? Absolutely. He leads the field on the real estate side. Big time. He makes millions of dollars. We're talking yachts and everything else. This dude makes some bank on you, Ed. Because you've been with him for how many years? Have you Uh, been? Almost 30 years. (gasps) No. Yeah. You have got to be kidding me. No. So at this point. I think I bought a yacht. <laughs> wow. At this point, we're going to get back to it. But uh, Mike Ferry and all of that. But uh, so years ago, probably 15 years ago, you contacted me, right? Is yes. that how it went? You contacted my assistant. I did. Uh, Mike was having a birthday coming up and we wanted to do something special for him. Yeah. And we, we, be, we, meaning we as a group of agents who were in a special niche group, we were called the, the mastermind masters or something like that. I like to call you the richest of all of them. We were <laughs> the most successful. Most successful. Yes. And you wanted to kind of pay back Mike by giving him a great birthday party. We want to give him a great birthday party yeah. and having comedy at that event thought like the right thing to do and who better than mr shoemaker now did you know me before we had not met before i had seen you before from yes. jill from, from jill. our mutual yes. friend jill and Correct. she said come see this guy and you saw me you go oh, i gotta get this guy for mike so that's how it happened you contacted my assistant right yes and i tried to book you for a day in palm springs i think it was and they told me the fee. I said, oh, that's reasonable. What was and the fee that, uh, who, who, who? They t- quoted me $10,000. Oh, my God. I was cheap. <laughs> and then <laughs> she said. This uh, is my assistant now, not yeah, the agent. Okay. Correct. And she said, what well, day do you want? What's wrong him? with her? That's why she's my ex-assistant. You don't go. <laughs> first of all, even if that was my rate, you go higher. Okay. <laughs> well, so it sort of happened. All right. So I gave her the date. She says, Oh, sorry. Craig's booked in Boston that day. He can't be there. I said, Oh no, uh, he can. We're just going to have to, uh, make some changes. Oh, so you went with Mike Ferry real estate coaching and you said, I I will have, I will sell this home. Craig will be in Palm Springs on the day I need him. (laughs) You just tell me how much. I love that. We're going to get to that. That's how, (laughs) that's how your, that's your positive affirmations and you're going to make it happen. And you do, which is fantastic. You made that happen. And so what was the bribe? But did you? Well, she said triple his fee and I'll get him there. 
And I said, done. So I made 30 grand on that. 30 grand. Jeez, I should, give, hour. You, I should give you commission. It's, Ed, it's and over an hour. You know I put full <laughs> on into it. I do at least 90 minutes. I gave him the full Monty, <laughs> which since then, he must have loved it so much. He and I are now friends, yes. golfing partners, and he hires me all the time. To this day, as a matter of fact, we sh- recently were in Vegas together. Yep. What does, what's that event for people that don't know? So the Vegas event happens, uh, the main event happens once a year. We call it the Superstar Retreat, and it's where uh, his ongoing, you know, students, we'll call them, go, uh, as well as new students, to really just learn how to hone their business, how to uh, refocus, relearn some of the things mm-hmm. you've learned and never implemented in your business to go out there so you can better serve your clients. A little and rebooting. Make more money. It's a it's, little rebooting like too, rebooting. because you're around one another. You're exchanging. You guys just exchange chips and at the at the damn craps <laughs> table. What do we say? You know, we we exchange a lot of ideas. That what, do you? What's the great thing about the program is actually just the people that are attending because they're really right. successful in different markets around the country. You get to meet them, hear what they're doing, what's working for them, and then you kind of tweak your business when you get back. Do you have competitors that go as well? That you're, and how are you with those competitors? I. You know, I've reached a level where. By I, the way, folks, he just gave me the look like I have no competition. <laughs> you know, he, ju- I swear to you, he I gave want- the look. He looked up in the <laughs> sky. How do I remain humble and telling him I have no competition? Well, the fact is, that is what you did. That's what that eye roll was. Wasn't it's exactly it? what it was. Oh, okay, good. I'm glad you admitted I, it, humble man. I didn't want to say it, but the truth is, I have no fear when my competition shows up because they really just won't do what they have to do to become as successful as I have learned to do you've dedicated yourself to it they by staying with I mike did. ferry even yeah. if he's repeating himself right you could probably lip some of the words along with him oh absolutely but you <laughs> but you still show up and it shows a dedication to your craft it's a craft unlike un, listen we're all the same right it's not that much difference in comedy i've actually heard that mike speaks about me with the you know how oh, yeah. he, right yeah he also how steals you, my jokes but, but he so. talks about how you practice and you're scripted and that's what it takes yeah and, and it's something that it takes yeah. for anyone could listen to that you have to practice practice to be what is it what's that old saying you have to put 10,000 hours in to be 10,000 of anything to get really good at it so if you want to hit a, a, a putt really well try it 10,000 times and then you might become an expert at it wow I have a putting green sitting right here, Ed. I'm going to start with one putt right now and work my way up to 10,000. I'll let you know when I get there. Oh, jeez. I, I probably have swung the club 10,000 times. So I don't know if that's, that applies because yeah, you have golf, to work. Yeah, golf is a different game. It is a diff- that's a whole other animal. Yeah. And there's, there's, it's so weird. There's no but Maybe 10,000 rounds of golf could get you there. 10,000 rounds. Yeah, I probably haven't done that. But yeah. uh, so, you, so you hired me for this thing, and it, you know I was so blessed. And then I went to the super most recent was I performed at the Superstar Retreat, which yes. was so much fun. That I have to tell you something. Maybe you can tell me what is it with real estate agents? They are my favorite audience ever. What do you think it is about the people that are in that audience that separates them from other corporate gigs that I've done and other gatherings? I'm telling you, I'm not. I'm not being I, shy when I tell you this. The best audiences are real estate agents. What do you think the reason is for that? You know, they're brought together to get fired up, right? So they're there for the energy. They're there to... Is that another term for drunk? (laughs) Some are drunk. (laughs) It doesn't hurt. Yeah. (laughs) But that's what they're there for. They're they're really there to to look for those opportunities, those moments of energy that you get to go out and implement better things in your business. So you walk up on stage and you're just a part of that whole process. And you're like, come on, bring it to me. And... They're ready for you. And but, Mike sets it up nicely, too. He says great yeah. things about you. And and he is a bit of a, what do they call it, drink the Kool-Aid kind of leader where right. you do what he says or and he get says, out. And he says that laughter is important. Yes. As a matter of fact, I've spoken twice at these events as a speaker for Laughter Heals. And what cracks me up about these about the people that are there, they all have pens and they take notes the entire time. Yeah. What did you just say? Laugh is an acronym for what? <laughs> like they're going to really use well, this. Michael picks someone 18 rows back yeah. who's not writing notes and make them stand up and say, why aren't you writing notes? Oh, he does the shame thing? Yes. Yeah. I, I noticed that about Mike. <laughs> yeah, there's a, he's a little uh, rough around the edge. He's old school, as, as you would say. It's kind of great yeah. Santini-ish. Uh, yeah. But uh, so you go to these things, and I have found that even in the laughter healing, that they want any sort of an edge. 
they want an edge and that's what they're there for they want the edge over the competition they want the edge over life or whatever it is so if i'm telling them hey here's some information they are paying attention people they're they're always looking for the magic pill and there really is no magic pill there's no one answer to anything it's about consistency, discipline. That's the magic pill. Right? Action. Right. That is the magic pill. Taking action is the magic pill. So it is. if we're can I help you? Listen to that, folks. We are all looking for that magic pill. <laughs> we all want the the easy thing. You know, like you said, it's a pill. All you do is swallow it. No, you have to repetitively do the actions that are set forth in front of you, whatever it is, whatever business you're in. And that's how you carry forth. Yeah, there's so many people that talk about just think it and it will happen. But thinking it is just the first step. You have to take action. Right. Do you do anything like that, like visioning boards or any of the stuff from the secret? I do. I write affirmations every day. Do you really? Wow. Yeah. Does Mike teach you that or is that on your own? Uh, I read a lot of books. So, Mm. well, I listen to more books now than I read today just because of Audible and those kind of programs. So convenient. So it's easy. But yeah, no, I, I tear through books. Every what, what's day. your book today? Um, you know, sometimes I go back to my old school books like Think and Grow Rich. I one of knew my you were going to say that. You <laughs> damn rich executives. <laughs> Everybody, my, my very wealthy friend who constantly moved, <laughs> asks me to do that. Who Moved My Cheese, you know, just, just really, they're, they're self-help books. Who Moved My Cheese, like C-H-I, right? Not cheese like you eat, like no, Gouda. Like, you know, like Who Moved My Cheese, yeah. Oh, like Gouda or yeah. Cheddar. Yeah. Oh, I thought who who that'd be a good name for a book. Who who moved my chi? You know, my <laughs> oh, C H I. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good one Somebody too. moved my chi around <laughs> here, and I I have to get it back together through some practice. Uh, I'm gonna take that. I gotta hold on it. I gotta get a pen. <laughs> I gotta write the, who moved my cheese. So that's what. But what what's that book about? So, you know, sometimes you get stuck in these routines right yeah so if something gets moved you know how do you react to it i I can tell you today it was a just even today how do you you react i'm supposed to be here on time to meet with you my tire blows out on the freeway no i didn't know that it did so i'm like i'm glad you didn't i've been in the middle of some stuff here so (laughs) are you late i didn't even know you were late i I wasn't gonna be late so i I got that i pulled off the freeway as i was pulling off i called uber i dumped my car in a gas station, threw the guy the key. I said, someone will come and get it. I don't know who. I got to go. No. Jumped an Uber and then came here. See, that is that is Mike Ferry real estate. That is Mike <laughs> Ferry, something that he would do. In a million years, I wouldn't do it. I would have called me and canceled it. <laughs> so you came here in an Uber? So I did, and I gave a stranger my car key and told oh. him to give the key to a stranger. I'm hoping my car shows up, but I do know if it doesn't, I have insurance. I'll get a new one. Wait, oh my goodness. Ed, you are something else. You know, I was going to talk about something related to that. You're a risk taker. <laughs> and that, talk about learning. I have learned that from you on the craps table. <laughs> now, folks who are listening, life is about flow and energy, right? It is. And it's really about positive energy. And that's not a woo-woo concept, is it? No, it, it's real. It is very real. And fear is not in flow, right? If you're in fear, especially finances or, or anything, right? Agreed. What are you writing down, Ed? I, the title of a book I did not write. What, uh, move my cheese? Should I tell you now? Oh, you're- I'm no. writing down a title of a book so I don't forget that I did not write, but I wanted to. Okay, oh, so this is something, I just brought this up. Yes. It inspired, go ahead, write it down. You can write it down while I'm talking. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, even even like throwing your keys to someone and having a trust. That's a trust and a flow in whatever you want to call it and some sort of energy source. And most of us are not trained to do that in our world from birth. Right. Right. That's not what's encouraged. Okay. We're encouraged to kind of go with fear yep. and doubt and worry and those things. So you, this happened three times now, take me to the craps table. <laughs> now... You know me as a happy-go-lucky guy, right? Pretty happy, yes. pretty flowy. Very, very little cash. But <laughs> in the cash area, in, in that, I turn into my old self. Right. Did you grow up with money? No, I grew up poor. Oh, poor? Yeah. Look at that. This is what I need to hear. I, I think you're just here for me. I'm, I'm not even going to play this for anyone else. I'm going <laughs> to keep it selfish here. So, Ed, you are and I come from similar backgrounds, right? Yep. 
But as my friend was talking to me the other day, I stay locked in stories. I would imagine that's some of what you're doing is you're relocking your true self as opposed to old stories. Because your old story would say, yeah, I'm supposed to be poor. Right. Right. 100%. And I'm supposed to live in, in lack and right. limitation and other people's limitations and other people's lacks. You adopt those as your truth. I have adopted that sometimes, and especially when I'm at a craps table. <laughs> so I'll tell you what happens. So you take me to these tables, and Mr. Flo does not look at the damn sign that says... <laughs> Minimum bet. Minimum bet. <laughs> so <laughs> I love craps somewhat. And I'm always looking for a $5 table, which now in Vegas you can't even find except if you go downtown to a ghetto casino yes a five dollar table so right. 10 i will do now now yeah. i'm up to 10 and you have to have not only is it a minimum but if you want to win money you gotta back put, it up with at least 20 you've got to back it up and yeah. that's just for one bet right so at one time on this table you can have hundreds of dollars that can one roll of the dice and it's gone like a vacuum yeah it's unbelievable how you're a bet on this Give me a, give me a hard way, all the hard ways, and you're, and you're like really energetic. You're really into it. Seven out. Remember those old game shows? So, so anyway, I'm trying. This is the thing. Can you fake flow? You can start by faking flow to hopefully bring it in. That's a good concept too. I should write all this stuff down. This is. I'll have to listen to this podcast over and over again. Here's what happened the last time we played together. First of all, we go to a, an expensive table. And, uh, and then we tried to create the flow, but it's sort of like whistling in the dark because I still have my fears. I'm still going, do I really want to be at this table? Do I really want to trust Ed Kaminsky <laughs> to guide me through this? And the table was cold as ice. ice. Do you remember this? It was ice. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. And we're sitting, and we're, we, you know, we, we win like one little thing, like we win a couple bucks, and we get high five and like trying to create this thing that's not there. Right. And we looked over at another table, and both of us, I think, had the same affirmation is like, let's have us dictate this flow and not these miserable people around us that are rolling sevens all the time. Right. And we did it. We went over there, and I have to tell you, I still had fear, but something inside me said, we're, we are together going to create a new energy yes did you feel that as well 100 percent. that's really? how i play that's how i pick my table yeah i look for a little bit first right. so if i'm at a table if i'm at a casino i'm going to look at the table i'm going to look at the faces on the dealers i'm going to look at the faces of the players i'm going to see what they're looking like what their energy is like i'm going to see if anybody's cheering or not cheering they're depressed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i stay away from the depressed tables the depressed dealers. you can see the misery in their oh, faces yeah. and this is how they live and they're thinking oh this next role is going to save my life i've never won at craps with a bunch of unhappy people wow that is interesting what a concept i'm i'm going to take that with me next time i go to vegas whenever i go to a gambling area i'm only going to go with you now i've decided <laughs> so what happened was we go to this other table the two of us and our energy brought in other people's energy. Obviously, a lot of them were real estate people that you yeah. knew, their friends. So now we're smiling and right. we're laughing. And a miracle occurred. I mean, you have to understand, I'm shaking at these bets. And I borrowed money from you. That's how down that first yes. table was. I said, but you know me, I'm so guilty. I'm like, here, here's 100 of it back. Here's another 100. And then I got clean with you. Yes, you did. I'm like, oh, my pretty God. Quickly. Oh, yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah. And I was so excited. I said, okay, now... We're into my money. Then I was into their money. Yes. And it happened. High fives and screaming and all these people are gathering around. You're giving other people money now. You're, here you go. You're making bets for people. You're like, you're in complete confidence. <laughs> and that's the way it's a metaphor for life, isn't it? It is. It yeah. is. It's a, it's a mini life uh, experience on those tables sometimes. Yeah. Just yeah. in this tiny little bubble. Is, here's life going on right there. You right. see other people's, other people not living in possibility. But I, I, I find that as part of my job in life is really to try to uplift people. And, you, you know, I think... Uh, people that work for <coughs> you. People work for me, my family, my children. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just trying to get them to see the brighter side of, of things. And because and, you can look at anything two different ways. Right. And it's how you look at things, I think, how it changes the outcome of what happens next. Yeah. 
Wow, it's, it, I have to tell you, this, and these are life lessons because we're sharing, I learned a while ago that you can give your opinion all you want, but if I always relate to people's experience, and that's our experience of what happened, you can get whatever you want out of it, you could say these guys are degenerates, because there was a lot of money flowing on that table. Right. <laughs> so I <was> like, whoa. <laughs> so I stopped my shakes, and I turned the shakes and fears into positive outlook positive actions i fully participated with the high fives at first they were like ginger hey way to go <laughs> wow we just made some money and then it started and i started to see these chips stack up and you know when it changed for me when they said would you like to exchange color <laughs> those are the greatest words those that they could ever words. say they're great words because what that means is you have so many chips that they want to like take your little five E chips and your ten E chips and make turn them into twenty fives, fifties, and hundreds. Right. When I start seeing that color of a hundred come out, and my my stack is not as great, but that's a poor man's mentality to have the big stack. I think of chocolate. You think of chocolate, chocolate. when I think of chips on the table because the brown chips are five thousand dollars. That's what you want in your pocket when you're done. Okay, <laughs> I, I I can't even say that, let alone do that. I, it's a concept that is so foreign to me to but think that I'm going to go chip. for chocolate. Chocolate chip. I go for blood. I go for red chips. I think they're like ten or something. Like five. That. Oh, of course they are. <laughs> That's what I think. So you're helping me and hopefully helping others. Doesn't always have to come through me. It could just come from the interview on our show. Sure. Can I help you? Yeah. You're helping me have a better understanding of getting out of old stories of, oh my God, we're gonna have chip beef on toast tonight. I don't know if you ate that when you were a kid and canned lima beans. Hundred percent. Yeah. The lima beans. I was like, Mom, I swear, kids in Nigeria who are starving, <laughs> eating flies, would not eat this crap. She said, make me. My, <clears throat> my grandmother smothered them in brown sugar and ketchup so they tasted okay. Right. That's yeah. what you had to do. You had to yeah. do that. And the other thing I would do, I'd feed them to the dog because my mother wouldn't <laughs> let me leave the table. Yeah. The dog hated them. The dog would, <coughs> well, are you kidding me? I don't like lima beans. My dog food is better. <laughs> and one time I got an idea because my mother, then she hear me flush them down the toilet. I'd put them in a napkin. And then finally I would throw them across the street <laughs> in these balls of napkins. The, the Fuchters, they were their cross-the-street neighbors. Uh, they ended up with a lima green poop, <laughs> lima bean crop. <laughs> I kept throwing them over there. But uh, I, there is poor people food. And I, now you come from that. Spam. Spam is another one. Meatloaf, that's yep. the big delicacy that you can't tell me a thousand times. I don't care whose it is. Not doing it for me, okay? Do you have those foods that remind you of the past? Yeah, no, the chip beef, spam, um, oh, uh, just, yeah. Mac and cheese. Cereal, you got hungry, just have a bowl of cereal. A lot of cereal, yeah, and sugary cereal, which <laughs> was so bad for us. Right. Did you spend your money on candy when you were a kid, when you first made money? Oh, 100%. Quarter got me a long way. You get a nickel candy bar. Yeah. Penny candy. Right, exactly. Pop. Yeah. Yep. So, so as a kid. Did you have any of this uh, in your possession, any of this style, any of this energy in your possession? What, I did. When or, did it switch I, or I, was well, it always there? I was the, the little skinny kid that got kicked around. Yeah. So, you know, I had a complex with that. God, we identify with you. I was the same thing. It's the yeah. worst, isn't it? Yeah, and we it's had like, no money. You're going to get your and, ass kicked. You know, holes in the jeans and right, socks. And right. if your socks got holes, my mom would sew them up. You know, you don't get new ones. My mom taught me how to sew, so you I put did them it on myself. A light bulb. I'd put do. the socks in a light bulb. Oh, oh I never yeah. knew that. Jeez, I, where was that tip back when I was <laughs> sewing my own stuff? I got caught once because you didn't want to be poor no. around rich kids. And right. I got caught once in the bathroom sewing my own pants. Oh, yeah. that was not good. That's, that was that was more tough. shame. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was, what are you doing? You know, first of all, kid, a boy sewing was not acceptable either. There I am with a little thimble right. <laughs> sewing in the bathroom so no one would see me. But I didn't have any other, you know, didn't have another choice. Those were already hand-me-downs. You probably had hand-me-downs and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So when do you think this happened for you, this kind of switch? I remember <clears throat> third grade um, riding my bicycle in the neighborhood. I went back behind a building that looks much like yours here. It's like a little single-story mm -hmm. commercial building. Like an industrial park. Industrial park, yes, yeah. And it. I went and I saw in the dumpster 
boxes of brand new stickers uh-huh. in the garbage. Why are they throwing these out? These are stickers. Kids love stickers. Yeah, they do. So what did they say on them, the stickers? They said KIB, K-I-B, and then below it, it said cash is best. So maybe it was supposed to be C-I-B. I don't know. And that's why they threw them out because <laughs> it, was <a> misprint. <laughs> it was a misprint that became your fortune. Yes. So I took them all and oh. I started selling them. And I was first like five cents a piece, five cents a piece. Right. I was seeing one at a time. I said, man, this is taking a long time. Then I started selling bags of them. So you had that many out of the dumpster, thousands of them. Did they, did they, was this one shot that you pulled them out of there or did you keep going back for, they, no, it was one shot. I was afraid to get caught. Right. Know? Okay. Yeah. All right. Right. <laughs> so next thing I know, I started seeing them on bumpers on cars in town. What? I saw them out of state. I'm like, oh my God, I made it huge. To be able to see my sticker, make it to bumpers of cars that no one even know what the hell your they meant. dumpster dive sticker yeah. <laughs> is now is now creating a little fortune for a third grader, nine years old. You are yeah. This is my first uh, success story. Yeah, and solo by the way, solo business. Solo, solo business. Yeah, cash business. Cash, all cash. Okay, no. what'd you do with the cash? Where'd you put it? Uh, I put it in a jar. Okay, so, so I, I I did save money. I learned to save money because I, one of the things you know, growing up, and I knew at an early age that my parents weren't going to be able to put me through college. So I had to save money to get out of the house at some point. Yeah. So when I turned eighteen, I had, from my recollection, uh, six grand. But uh, that's that's a big jump. You did other things other than sell the stickers. One hundred percent. Yeah. Big entrepreneur at an early age. I, well, because you're I, desperate. You have nowhere. I worked. I, I, I started a lawn business, so I started. Me too. Lawns. My God, <laughs> it's just so cool that we're doing this. We know each other, but I don't know all these things. Yeah. We're literally parallel lives on different coasts. So yeah. where'd you grow up? Cleveland. Oh, that's not a different coast. Yeah. Although, if you consider Lake Erie a coast, yeah. <laughs> so we did have a coast. Yes, you did. And we yes. had a burning river too. Uh, <laughs> Is that the mistake on the lake? Or no, the, Erie's the no, mistake on the Cleveland's lake. Cleveland's mistake on the lake, and we did catch on fire. Yes, yeah, yes, so. a very a lot of dirt there too. So yeah. I'm understanding now how you grew up. Uh, so here we are, parallel lives. You're just starting one business after another and putting some money away. That was my mistake, by the way. You didn't spend on yourself at all and I, do stupid purchases, like something you needed no, to look you cool. buy the usual things like beer and pretzels and cars like as a teenager. I bought my first car. I paid 90 bucks for it. That was <clears throat> one of my other great sales. And what, um, and what, what kind of car was it? So it was a, it was a Maverick grabber. My God, I had a Maverick too. And the funny thing was it was the rust belt. So I was driving down the street one day and the hood flew right off. Yeah. Right off the car. This is so unbelievable. I'm like, oh my God. So I, oh, those were I the worst the car, cars ever. I picked up the hood, put it in the trunk, mm-hmm. and then I figured out I need I need a hood. So how am I going to connect the hood if the rust won't allow the hinges to hold down mm-hmm. anymore? So I went to the garage and I found three closed metal clothes hooks. <laughs> I put one on one side of the fender, one on the other side of the fender, and one in the middle, and then took a clothesline and tied it down, kind of like Frankenstein in a sense. Uh huh. And so that was my. If you my drove fix. this, oh my God, that no girls car. were going to go out with you with this situation. No, it was, yeah. it was tough road. That's a tough cold. one. When you pull up for a prom in a Maverick <laughs> that has <Ropes>. jerry rigged <laughs> a jerry rigged hood on it. Yeah. I so you grew up in in winter time, right? And yep. So you had snow. I don't know if you remember this about it. It had no weight in the back. Oh no! Yeah. So you spun. would fishtail, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just on a normal drive. Yeah. I got stuck, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this, on a dead downhill. <laughs> downhill. You know how you get stuck uphill? Right, yeah. I got stuck downhill <laughs> in the Maverick. Oh. It was the worst car. I don't even know how they passed that thing, you know? <laughs> that in the Corvair. Yes. <laughs> that one they did take off the market. So you've got these um, dreams as a kid. You, were you specific about the dreams of what, what you wanted knew, to do someday? Well, honestly, my, my dad changed his career every 24 months my god this is but unbelievable. I, st- I still i still looked up to him though did you live with him parents were together no, i live with my mom they were divorced there we go yeah ed seriously we, we, we parallel paths it's it's ridiculous <laughs> my dad had did he do entrepreneurial things everything yeah he opened restaurants a carpet uh, installation <laughs> company uh plastic roofing was his 
best one. He, he was told that plastic roofing was the way to go. So instead of replacing roofs, you spray this plastic on. <laughs> but he did this all in the winter and the spring. And when the summer came, it got hot. The plastic <laughs> melted and ripped the shreds <laughs> of the roof off the house. So every house had these crumbled up, shrunken roofs. Of course, he got sued by bankruptcy. And- oh, my God. This is big. I was about to feel... Good for you because my dad was way worse, but I don't think my dad was even that bad. My dad's top business was mules, <laughs> taking people on mule rides. Oh, my God. We had quite a few of those. So, yeah, come up with the entrepreneurial ideas. This is my secret to success. And and do you think that you – this happened with me is, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Right. It, you don't want it to you want to get far from that tree you go i don't want to be like this did you have anything in your life where you ended up like that like trying new businesses that were failed businesses or schemes um, i always well, say my dad's he, uh, entrepreneur is a french word for scheme a scam artist he he liked to be the owner and have no right, boss exactly and so that trait i took and that with a, me right and that appealed to you so uh, d- what did you do before you did real estate did you uh, did so, you have any like i say failed ventures in, into the world uh so when i turned 18 mm-hmm. uh, again i just thought whatever my dad was doing that seemed like he he just thought i could do it better than him and i would make lots of money he would tell me that so that was encouraging so he's he was in the uh, sort of pawn jewelry business when i graduated <laughs> i hate to laugh <laughs> <laughs> so he says son Go to California, get yourself to the jewelry school in Santa Monica, California, and get 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 a trade certificate, and then I'll hire you. I said, sounds good. So it was a six-month course, so that was my so-called college, and I got my GIA, gemological degree. Really? In six months. Did he pay for this, or did you I have to pay for it? You had to pay for that, too, out of your, out of your little lawn money. And I your... paid for my lawn money, but he taught me how to buy gold, so I would advertise while I was going to school how to buy gold that I would buy gold, so I'd buy gold on the side to pay for my and rent resell and food. It and for yeah. more. You buy it for 50% of what it actually was worth, and you take it to the melter, give it to them, and they, you know, Keyst- they, we call it Keystone, we Keystoned it. And they make it into bars? They or melt whatever. it down melt and, it and give you it. cash, yeah. Oh, they give you cash, wow. Yeah, so when you see we buy jewelry, they're just weighing the gold, they give you a they don't care what it looks like. No. They just want the gold gold. They're just going to melt it down and sell it to a, So a, you did this, and you put yourself through the school. Did you move back to Cleveland, or you stayed in no, California? No, so my dad had moved to Houston at the time. So I graduated. I got in a car. I drove to Houston. I said, Dad, I'm here. I'm ready to go to work. He says, oh, I'm out of that business. Go find a job. <laughs> of course he is. What business was he in now? I think uh, making sandwiches. <laughs> okay, all right. That's a little normal. So I'm sitting on the couch. He says, get the hell out of here and go get a job. Go get a newspaper. Yeah. Go look for a job. I said, okay. So I went and got a job uh, at 18 years old at a, at a, they would call them catalog showrooms back then, but they had a jewelry department. So I worked in the jewelry department and within a few months they made me the manager. So I'm an 18 year old manager managing, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds. They put me in a leadership role pretty quickly. So that was my first leadership position. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I got married young, got married at 19. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Same wife? Uh, second wife now. Oh, okay. But she hated Texas. She was Japanese and wanted to go back to California. So I picked up a phone book from California, and I sent a resume to about 300 jewelry stores. Mm-hmm. I got two calls. I was surprised that's all I got, but mm-hmm. two calls. Yeah. Went on an interview, got a job, and I was in jewelry for retail jewelry in California for about five or six years. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's interesting your story because um, I bet you a lot of people can parallel these, the story. It is literally rags to riches. What was the compelling force that kept you going, no matter what the obstacle was, no matter how many times you were turned down, you only had two interviews, you got the one, you're with this job, and it's really not leading to any giant success. What's the driving force do you think it is? To me, in my mind, it was always a must, not a should. Yeah? So This is before you learned that term from uh, from Mike Ferry. <laughs> well, that was from, from – I just heard that term from to, uh, Tony Robbins' coach yesterday. He, he used that, and he says there's a big difference between should and must. He goes, you should – go work out you should mm-hmm. not eat this food or you should eat better a, yeah uh, but people don't 
Right. But if you must, and you believe you must, like I had to put food on the table because I had kids. Oh. At 19. That'll force it. I had a baby at 21. Oh, geez. But my wife had the baby. So that's a must. That's a must. So I yeah. had two kids at a pretty young age. Yeah. I was, a, I was an adult at 18. I right. Was, I wasn't like everybody else that was running around. It's hard fun. sometimes to, uh, I guess when you're forced into the must, you are. But some people ab- abandon even that. They'll abandon that, abandon their children, abandon, you know, whoever. They abandon themselves. Well, I think the underlying story for me always was I didn't feel people looked at me as being a great person, and I wanted to prove them wrong. I wanted to prove my childhood friends wrong. Wow. We share this one, too. (laughs) So you basically have a list of people that you resent. Right. Yeah. And they became your motivating factor. You couldn't wait to go back to the reunion and show them. Yeah. Hey, look at this. Look who I am now. It's it's really what I think drove me for a long, long time. That's amazing. Yeah. I've had this. Jeez. (laughs) I literally stood backstage when I got a television show and they're about to announce me national television show. And I made a list. I said, I'll show you. I'll show you the, the, the Linda Scott for making out with Ricky Altamare in the corner. I'll show you yeah, at the prom. I'll, I'll show you. I had a list of people that you just want to, you know, sort of even going back to the reunion. Have, have you gone to reunions? I have, yeah. I've gone back. Oh, and yeah, you're like the stud now, right? You're going, yeah, look what I turned out. You, you used to check out the quarterback. He's a fat pig now. They, they are. And, right. It's embarrassing what the whole school looks <laughs> right, right, like. Right, right. And now yeah. you're thin, good-looking guy, successful. Do you walk around like the cock in the walk here? And, and You know what? I tried to rent a nice car in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That was hard to do. <laughs> and here you can rent a Mercedes, a Ferrari, sure. whatever you want. So I tried to, I, I was able to find a Cadillac. So I pulled up my. You pulled up in the Cadillac. I rent a Cadillac. Meanwhile, nobody sees you. They're already inside. No. So, which is really <laughs> silly. Good. I know it did. Of course, it's all part. Just in case, you know, Mary Lou, uh, yeah. you know, who you had a crush on sees it. Did you go to the, do you go to reunions with your spouses? With your spouse? Uh, I went to, I think I've been to two and I went one with and one without. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, my whole thing is you don't go with the spouse because they're not interested in you. No. That you have, you're trying to talk to a girl you had a crush on all right. these years. And, <laughs> you know, they're not, plus they don't want to hear the old stories. And when you bring her back, the, the one time that you did, obviously she knows your background of how you were, you know, picked on and you were tiny and, and all that kind of stuff. Is she aware that you're walking in with kind of the mantra of, I really want to show these people what I became. She didn't know that. She was just more shocked of the fact that I came from that group of people. Like, oh my God. Right. She was really, really surprised. Kind of like, would you say, like low rent? It was. For so, yeah, so to speak. It, it, yeah. It, you know, like nice to say way that. You but, say that yeah. Right. I'm just trying to be politically correct here. Right. Actually, I, I, I don't even have to be correct because. You know, I'm not calling anyone anything, you know, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's just, it's like if somebody wants to think they're low rent, right. we'll go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, for another, that's the terminology. So you walk in here and um, did you find any satisfaction? Did you find that that was the case when no. you go back? I, yeah. You know, I felt okay. I felt good about myself, but I didn't feel like I wanted to rub it in anybody's face or anything like that, to be honest with you. I did want to connect with some old friends that I was friendly with and looked forward to those conversations, but found it difficult because we were in such different levels. I mean, they right. stay, it's like they're back in time 20 or 25 mm-hmm. years. It's a very. Still have like paneling on their walls. Paneling on the walls, mullets, the way they dress, what they haircuts. talk about. They're, yeah. you know, they're. Right. You know, it's just their conversation is so different. So, would you suggest to. Do you think those people, that that's their fate in life and that's all they'll ever be, that they will never bust out of that like you did? I think you have, you know, we talk about how to grow. I think the only way to really grow is you have to get out of your comfort zone and be around people that are doing way more than you, that are way more successful in whatever it is, whether it's it's health, mm-hmm. it's financial, it's but they, but they, if they stay there, they don't have that opportunity. No. So you're basically don't. saying if you're in that rut situation, you're going to stay there. Surrounded by that, you're going to stay there unless you move. So a move is probably a good thing for people to do move. into an area with a yeah. positive energy. But you can, you can get stuck in that same circle in, in a 
great market like any big city, yeah, right? Of course, you can be in. Yeah, you are where you are. <laughs> you, you, There's you no stay, geographic that's going to do that. But right. if you are in a circumstance where people don't eat well where there's, you know, they're not, you know, exercising, where they're not really working on their brains, where they're just adopting kind of paradigms from the th way they're taught by some news station, you know, all the, the programming right. that takes place. Yeah. To step out of the program, they, they literally have to make a gigantic step forward, first step. 100%. Right. Yeah. And that first step is, I got to get out of this environment. A lot of athletes, by the way, suffer from this. You know, they bring the... They bring their old buddies along with them. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, and they get in trouble. They have their whole entourage with them. And then speaking of athletes, I know you're in that business as well. Yep. So you've been very successful in the real estate business in Southern California and mostly the Hermosa, Redondo, Manhattan Beach area, right? Correct. And that's where a lot of athletes that play for the Lakers, and the Dodgers, and, and now obviously the Rams and the Chargers, that's where they often relocate to because it's near the water. It's near the water. It's near the airport. Um, we relocate athletes all over the place, all over the country. And so we find. I oh, call you do? The, yeah. Okay. So I, I call it the triangle. So mm -hmm. players like to live within this triangle of where they practice, yeah, where they play, mm -hmm. and where the airport is. Right. And so the South Bay, what we call it down there, uh, is near practice centers. It's mm -hmm. near LAX airport. Yeah. And of course, we have great school systems, and this is the traction for for the athletes. So that's usually that's where your business started off, but now you're global—not global, but nationwide. Yeah, a couple, I guess, a couple of decades ago. I can't believe I've been in the business that long. Um, I got my first player. I thought that was cool. I was excited uh, as a hockey player. And played for the Kings. Played he got for the traded Kings, to the Kings. Kings. He didn't know where to. It's that, these guys, yeah. people don't realize. They're traded all the time. It's not. As this guy, Nick Stauskas, recently was traded four times in a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so, imagine that. It's tough. I, I, I mean, we, you know, most people don't feel sorry for them because of their paychecks. But the fact is, a lot of these guys are married with kids. Yeah. Their, their kids just made friends. Their spouses mm -hmm. just got their right hairdresser, their right makeup person, or right whatever. And next thing you know honey we're moving across the country and you need to get the kids a new school new similar teacher, to new babysitters we used to call them army brats but yeah. now these are mba brats exactly if you if you will yeah so uh, so you got into this business of relocating them how far do you go with this besides just finding them a place to live so we have a full level concierge service surrounded with these moves because there are so many moving parts that happen from getting their household goods moved their cars moved uh, finding them new sitters and, and every other service that they need. Really? You find them sitters? They need everything. How do the sitters, down. how do you find the sitters or do they find so you? So they want, you know, they want good references, right? Yeah. So a lot of times we just know who is being shared amongst the team, right? Wow. So we, you'll fully vet them, obviously. Yeah. You and have then, a staff that does this. And then not only that, we have players that are leaving. So that right. frees up staff that... Now they just lost their job. Did they ever move into the house that they were traded for that person? Like they almost do an exchange? Like Yeah. Oh, yeah. It happens. And, really? And we, and we sell players' homes to other players' homes. So you'll just – Yeah. So, so one gets traded in, one gets traded out, and they'll switch houses. So you must be checking, like, the, the trade. <laughs> you must there. be checking the trades all the time. Trade. Yeah, we check trade trades every day. That's – First oh, thing the, we do in the morning. So interesting. You wake up in the morning and say, oh, who, who's, who's booted? Who's, who's coming? Who, who got booted? And who's coming? Oh, yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. And you do you immediately contact the it, player or their agent? You know, it's it's still a, it's a very competitive business. It's a race. Okay. So oh, I didn't know that. There are other people in your business. No. Well, there's other people that want to provide real estate services and sell them a big mansion somewhere. Just right? that, but not so, everything else that you, you have. The concierge you, they don't no, offer. No one serves them like we do. Oh, wow. And so that's what what's we, the name of the business? Sports Star Relocation. Sports Star Relocation. All right. I'm gonna tell my athlete friends. Thank Mine you. are all retired, so Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's just a race and and here's what happens. A player gets traded. Yeah. So their new coach will tell them who to talk to. Their business manager will tell them who to talk to. Their sports agent will tell them who to talk to. To you. They're tell no. They're all referring somebody else out. Right? Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. call this guy. Call that guy. Their handler, their their entourage are talking to somebody else, or the players on the team are telling them to go see this guy. So they're really getting you know ten of me referred to them at one time. So you have to elevate your service number one to be able to get the service. Mm -hmm. Number two, you got to be quick. 
and you got to be cognizant of what issues are important to right. them. And if you can do that, you end up on top and win. So you have these relationships. Probably business managers would be a good key business for you. Business managers are very important. Wealth managers actually do a lot oh. of advising. Oh, okay. So it's important. Do you take them out as you know clients? You go on, you know, take them, send them on trips, or do you do any? Any of that kind of thing where you um, develop the relationship through basic bribery like a lobbyist? <laughs> you know, I, we're not buying trips for, for them, but we do look for ways to build that relationship. And mm -hmm. again, there's events that sports agencies will put on for players as mm -hmm. a kind of as a treat. And you go sponsor an event and it'll go down to Cabo and there'll be 25 players down there. So in that case, yeah, there are sponsored events that are organized. Mm -hmm where you can go hang out with the guys for three or four days, uh, you know, in Mexico and go boating and swimming and hanging out and, and build that, you know, important relationship that you need right. to gain their trust. And they're also building relationships, relationships within that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, everybody's yeah. getting to know one another and helping one another. And that's what our show is called. Can I help you? And yes. that's the business you're in. You're in the helping people, which I, I, I wonder if that's, See, I, I've always had a difficult time. This is the other thing, I, along with my gambling and my fear around money. <laughs> and um, Well, you're smart that way. You protect your money. I don't know if it's called that. <laughs> is it protecting the money? Because well, considering how think much. Think about that, though. I just think, you know, you, you earn a certain amount in, in, a, in a show, which was significant, yet you were only willing to earmark a very, very tiny amount of money. Right to go out there and risk it. And I thought that was really intelligent of you. You did? I did. That's not your demonstration to me. You were the opposite. You're, I wasn't saying I was good at it. You, you were like my enabler. <laughs> Don't follow me. I'm saying that I am actually following you <laughs> because what you're saying on being safe, is that the answer to life with finances? Is to be safe? I believe it's probably not. No. No, you, is take you, a risk, but have fun with your risk. Calculated risks. Calculated. So There's no the calculation mo, the mo, in craps, is there? No, craps is throwing money away. There, there's no question. Don't 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 get that wrong. If anybody's listening, you, gambling is is guaranteed losses. So you're not up for life. No, in, I'm down, but I'm up in fun. I am never going back with you again. Now, just now that you said <laughs> that, I always thought you were like you have a, another like a new boat based on your gambling winnings. They do say that the best odds of winning in gambling is outside of poker and to not play okay not play but second is the highest percentage chance of winning is on the craps table. that's right and i've yeah. been told that and uh, it's been proven over and over again not to be true for me but yeah. that, i'm just not i i actually believe that it's even that's part of my flow thing that's part of my fear thing is is i can be the cooler at a table yes. so that's why when i was around you i adopted your energy and it became my energy, and that went to you know better rolling, better you know oh, and the more whole betting. Table gets fired up. At that oh, point. I know we were yeah. all fired up. Yeah. Would you walk out with that night? What What do you think? And oh, I left the table. There I, was me being yeah. smart again and careful. I was shy of a chocolate chip, but it was close. You son of a bitch! <laughs> See, and then if you lost the chocolate chip, five thousand dollars, I'd be saying to myself, "This is what I do when I hear about that." I go, "I could have spent it on this." I know would have been much better if I spent it on this. Do you ever do that? You go, "Oh, there's no question." Yeah, it goes through your mind. Yeah, I, I just losing, you know, losing anything on the table, it, it's way more painful. I, I could I could lose a, a real estate deal and literally lose a hundred thousand dollars and not bother me at all. Yeah. If I go lose $5,000 on the craps table, I'm in pain for weeks. Oh, that's very interesting. interesting. And it's all phenomenal. perspective and perception. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is, but I've, I've same thing. I'll go, yeah. Yeah, damn it. I lost a hundred dollars, What I could have <laughs> done with a hundred, a hundred dollars. Yeah. And my gigs pay a lot more than a hundred dollars. Yeah. And the same goes for winning. You can go win $5,000 and I feel like I won a million. Right. And, and what do you invest in now? What's your primary? So where are you taking your extra cash? I, I feel most comfortable in real estate. I feel in control. You're out of the jar. You don't put it in a jar anymore. I, I'm out of the <laughs> okay. jar. I'm out of the jar. Um, my wealth manager forces me to earmark a certain amount uh, with him, and he puts it in the market, and I don't even look at it. I, it's just I, not my thing. Oh, okay. So you can you earmark a certain amount. I love, by the way, there's another positive affirmation. Having someone who's called a wealth manager that's the difference between me 
is some people have an estate sale. I have a garage sale. I think this is, I think it's a matter of semantics. Is, do you think that is part of it when you're putting out to the world? Yeah. Oh, I have wealth that's going to be managed, and I call my guy the money guy. Right. I send it to my money guy. And even that I have a hard time doing because it's hard to let go, isn't it? It is. It is. But you have to find someone you trust, and there's certainly people out there you can't. Oh, I do. I have yeah. that, yeah. But they're conservative, but that doesn't bother you because no, you're the so opposite on I the craps am, table. Yeah, no, I'm – and in in taking risk, I'm far from conservative. It's just not how I think. I am I go out there, I put my balls to the walls when I invest in real estate. But in, I understand it okay. and I know it. And every time I've invested outside of my wheelhouse, it has not worked well. That kind of contradicts what you were saying earlier about the – about the risk because you said I don't pay attention to the wealth manager very much because it's that's his lane it's his yeah I just give it to him and and just hope it goes positive right but they're taking very low risks they are taking low risks okay but now you have this other pile of jar money you get you're going I'm going to risk with this yes and as you get older you realize balance is important in safe saving your your finances when you're 30 years old, you can lose it twice. Sure. Right? When you're getting into your mid-50s like I am now, uh, the earning years are less and less ahead of you. Right. Uh, so you gotta, I don't want to lose it all this time. Right. you, you got to put it away. I, I've lost it before, and I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Did you lose it um, during the real estate, during these? I did. I, I, there was a point. Oh, that point where everybody did? There was a point in the 90s uh, oh, okay. when I was going through divorce and troubled at real estate marketplace, uh, I had to file bankruptcy. So I had to start at zero again. Yeah. Um, but it's I, tough because you can't get credit. You can't get credit, but that's why I married my wife. She had good credit. No. <laughs> I'm sure she... I'm just, More than that. Dur- during your vows, they say, yeah. do you promise to uh, love, cherish, and keep good credit? Yeah. Was that part of it? That was it. <laughs> Uh, no, it was. I destroyed my wife's credit. Yeah, <laughs> I took her down with me. <laughs> so it was challenging. It was my ex-wife took yes. us down. Yeah, that was a nightmare. It was challenging during those times, but I yeah. still kept the belief. That it, it, this drives her crazy to this day. But there was a point um, where my wife was earning. She was a, a in corporate sales. She was making eighty grand a year, and she was paying the rent. And I was paying my child support and everything mm-hmm. else. I had no money left over. Yeah. And so she's paying really all the bills. And I said to her, and I meant it sincerely, your money means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. And what I meant at the time, she goes, what are you talking about? Who do you think pays for the rent? Who's paying for all the food on the table right now? Mm-hmm. I said, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because in my mind, I was going to make a half a million a year or a million a year or five million a year. So $80,000, it's nothing, right? So I believed it at that point. That was even a belief when, that you held. Even when I was dead broke, I didn't believe her money mattered. And she it drove her crazy. She understands it now, but at the time she didn't get it. Hmm. So I need to go with this. I need to carry this with me as to a, a true belief. Do I need to set a number, do you think? I'm even afraid to say the number. I go to Tony Robbins. It's like I set a number. So I'll tell you what I did recent. We'll say two years ago, I set a number of a net worth that I wanted to achieve. And I'm not going to say it because it is now my password for all my (laughs) passwords. So if anyone wants to get into Ed Kaminsky's computer, just just keep putting everything five million, ten million, eleven million, <laughs> and sometime you're sometime you're going to get it, unless it had some odd number attached to it, point two three four. So uh, so this became a positive affirmation. This became, as you said earlier, it's a first step is to do that. Yeah, if you and don't, then you take the steps. If you don't to get really there. believe it, if you don't believe it, you have to force yourself into getting there. So that's where you do that with affirmations and telling yourself and changing your environment, changing who you're talking to. Right. Get around people that have what you want and see how they're talking and, and be in those circles. Get out of the circles that are keeping you in your, your place. You have to force yourself into that belief system if you don't really own it. That's why I called you here today because <laughs> I see that in you. I don't know you that well, but I see that in you and you always have a positive outlook and Smile on your face, which is also important. Have fun all along the way. Yes. 
did you have what are the investments outside of the lane where you just went ah like you invested in plastic roofs like that the version yeah. of that did you have any well, of that happen no uh, uh in there was a internet technology idea that i threw a nice chunk of cash at yeah i also invested in it was and that I, didn't pan out no i lost 100 percent of the 100 percent oh, of the investment and my worst investment was during the Madoff years, um, there were guys like him running around with different names doing the same thing. Yeah. And you send them money, you give him 25 grand or 100 grand, I think I gave him. Give him 100 grand, he sent me 110 back a week later. I was like, oh. So he goes, oh, he got your trust. Can I have 200? Yeah. And then he sent me two. 22 back i was like oh that's good oh you're lured in you are bait yeah. he goes can i have 400 it's like yeah yeah and what point did he not ever return a call again and skip town that was it that was it that ne was it never heard wouldn't answer he skipped town yeah, yeah, yeah. he went to jail i've had a few of those went to jail but you don't get your money back i've had one and if she's listening to this, she knows who she is. I've had one. She was the sweetest person. I've known her my entire time in California, over 30 years. She keeps coming to me with these, you know. Ideas. Yeah. Oh, this guy. And do you believe I fell for it three times? Ooh. Yeah. The latest one was a, a form of Bitcoin, not Bitcoin. Yeah. Have you done that one yet? Have you no, done Bitcoin? I'm afraid of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. I, said, I can't touch it. I can't. Uh, <laughs> yes, I. I've actually invested in silver. That didn't turn out that great either. Yeah. But at least it's not going to lose because people right. need silver. My logical thought is they need silver. Yeah. But I do like to go outside the lane now and then and have a little bit of fun. Did you have anything that you went outside of uh, your usual space into something that did succeed? Nothing? Oh, my God. You should see his face right now. He's wandering <laughs> his eyes. He can't yeah. think of a damn thing you made money on. Just a nice night in craps one night. Oh, no. <laughs> you should invest in our movies. That's what you should do. I, yeah. Yeah. I hear the stories. Tell, oh, have you heard bad stories? Yeah, of course. Really? Well, you hear that most, most of them don't make a profit is what I've heard. Not yours, but Would you? Where'd general. you hear that? I'm just curious. On the streets. On the, where, where, okay. <laughs> so I'm walking along the Strand. <laughs> and on Manhattan Beach, and somebody comes up to you and goes, hey, I invested in this movie. You know, do you have a quarter? It's <laughs> like a homeless guy. This guy, I was like, I invested in this movie. I used to have a lot of money, and I, I lost some money. We're in the streets. I, this conversation listen, taking place. I have place. a lot of useless information in my memory. Right. I don't know where it comes from sometimes. Mm -hmm. But um, I will say that I do have one client who's incredibly wealthy that all he does is invest in movies and he makes an absolute fortune. So apparently, well, that's because he's not he, on the street. He's on a cul-de-sac. He is. He's <laughs> got an ocean view. And, uh, <laughs> and so he is one legitimate guy I spoke to that he knows how to identify which ones will work, wow. which ones won't. And he invests. Would you send him some, maybe a pitch deck or two of mine and see if he thinks, oh, good. 100%. Remind yeah. me about that. Write yeah. that down. I, yeah. I, yeah. I'd be curious what he thinks of, uh, like we have a horror film that has this eight minute short that uh, really shows how great the director and the script is and the acting could be, how, what the look would be. It's only eight minutes, but it will be a feature film. Right. And I bit on this right away and bought the rights. I'm going, oh, this is going to be, you know, sweet. And I would love to hear this guy's opinion. Horror, horror films make a lot of money. Yeah. For sure. They're Probably. very low. You don't need big actors. As a matter of fact, they very rarely use big actors. Have you ever right. noticed that? The yeah, actors become the they, actors become known from doing horror films. They're, yes. they're, they, you know, they have some they come back and back again. Right. Yeah. So it's it's one genre that does seem to work, uh, but uh, we have distribution building though. That's right. a big difference because the money automatically right. has to come back. At least you ain't going to get zero and have a guy run to Mexico on that one. Well, <laughs> so. you have to find people in their lane like you, and you can trust those right and it's a trust factor as yeah. well so in real estate's the same thing so um how do you solicit new clients for real estate what's the uh <clears throat> is there any cold calling involved yeah we have like 23 different sources of finding clients that yeah. i feed into what i call my system and our biggest number one source is our past clients and our referrals from our past clients or sphere of influence hmm. so my my job today, so when I started in real estate, and this is the only way I knew how to succeed, is I had to talk to 50 people a day before noon. 
That was wow. my job. I want to have 50 conversations. And you got this from Mike Ferry? I got it from Mike and, and then my own disciplines and belief system. It's a discipline. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's that the key it. to everything yeah. that we're saying today. It's about discipline. It's mm -hmm. about repetition. It's about practice, practice, practice. 100%. Just like any athlete, just like anyone who's successful in business, your formula is such that, that those repeats. And the problem is sometimes you have people like me that are impatient. Probably why I keep sucking at golf is I won't do the same. They say repeat right. the pattern, even in golf. Yeah. Same setup, same repetition. and Hopefully I, repeating the right pattern. Well, I've had yeah. the right pattern, yeah. and I'll stop it from based on the guy behind me wants me to play faster. Right. So I'll change my entire yeah. setup and everything because of the guy behind. I let factors bother me, yeah. but you don't. You stay with the, no, nobody's going to make you do, you know, 49 today. You're going to do 50 uh -huh. before lunch. Yes. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad you spent your lunch here with me. Oh, you're welcome. You might have helped me. No, you did help me. I hope you helped a lot of people. This is Ed Kaminsky. How can you, we follow you or how can we, I know you, do you have a Twitter and all that? I do. Ed Kaminsky is my name. It's spelled K-A-M-I-N-S-K-Y. Uh, my website, a few, is it's sold, I-T-Z-S-O-L-D.com. Oh, okay. So if they can contact you, by the way, if you do, make sure that you say that Craig Shoemaker sent you. So Ed might take me to one of those Mexico trips. Yeah, get to a new set of clubs. <laughs> a new set of golf clubs. You heard it here. Yeah, see Ed commencing. Ed, really great, wise stuff. I'm glad you came out here and took your Uber and a flat tire and everything because you said, I am going to honor this commitment, which is another thing we all need to do. Honor commitments. I try to tell my, that to my kids all the time. Yeah. you got to honor your commitments as much as you can honor time. Do that as well. Be respectful of people's time and stay, stay on course. Well, Craig, thanks for having me out here. I love what you do. I'm so inspired by how hard you work and how you make Thank people you. laugh and make them feel better, make yeah. them think differently. Yeah, and that's what yeah. it does. It shifts the patterns. That's yeah. another area that it shifts. And I know that, that you've related to it. Look, you hired me for triple my price <laughs> <laughs> to, to give the gift of laughter to Mike, which is the keep, gift that kept on giving. Absolutely. Because he loves laughter as well, probably more than he ever did. Yep. You know, he tells his bad jokes. But anyway, I try to rewrite new ones for him. But uh Ed, thanks so much for uh, making it out here. This was so valuable for everybody. This is uh, Craig Shoemaker, Can I Help You? Dr. Craig Shoemaker, Can I Help You? And please rate us. Give us an, a nice rating. If you're thinking about giving us a bad rating, go somewhere else and go, you know, go to Adam Carolla and give him a bad rating. Just, you know, not me. I, yeah, Adam Carolla and Fred Rogan, no, uh, Joe Rogan, they have a lot of money. They have gigantic podcasts. We're just growing this one. Pass the word on this as well learning i really really would appreciate you pass the word this is going to grow organically i mean get, get great feedback we're actually in several countries now are contacting us write an email craig at craig .com. say hey i'd like to talk to ed some more how can you connect us or i enjoyed your uh, podcast with your accountant or your friends that put you up during the fires this is the kind of thing we love feedback we want to know that this is reaching people that it's connecting with someone hey i heard this samantha gordon and i really connected with that People come up to me sometimes, Ed, and they'll go, you're probably tired of hearing this. No, I'm not. <laughs> you can never tire if you hear that you connect with someone. I agree. If they acknowledge that and say, you really helped me, that is the greatest gift that you can it's give back to gift. someone. Yeah. You know, I'm not even into applause that much. I can't even bow at the shows. But that is something that truly, truly sends me into a whole other stratosphere, which why not do that in life? We have all the negatives out there. So many people are political and they're divided and you're this and you're that and accusing people. How about something positive? If that's our message today that we're getting from Ed. Give us something positive. Say something like, hey, I, I really appreciated when you said this or, or Ed said something that I, I connected with. This is what makes this podcast go. It certainly isn't money. Although I'm going to put an amount on this of how many people <laughs> I'm going to have download. Uh, download it and give it a great rating. Pass the word. Put it on Facebook. Just help out a little bit. You know, it's not going to cost you anything to do that. And that really might help us and help us all grow as human beings all together. I appreciate listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Laughterheels.org. Go give it a visit. Check it out. See how you can support. It's a nonprofit organization which offers grins, giggles, and guffaws and raises the awareness of the healing powers of laughter. Working in aftercare facilities, hospitals, warriors, 
cancer patients, rehabs. Well, just about everybody needs laughter. We're here to spread it around. It is the best medicine, so just open up and say ha-ha. This episode was brought to you by LaughterHeals.org. How was that for my announcery, advertising, promotion voice? LaughterHeals.org.